0: so the question is being asked is do you believe that you're a good person now it's a question that when many people are asked will without a doubt answer yes because in their minds they could think of several other people who are far worse than what they are which allows them to justify their own moral conduct and I believe many people live with the mindset that they'll escape hell and go to heaven simply based on the fact that they believe that they're a good person but God's definition of a good person and our definition of a good person are two completely different things. Our moral compasses are subjective. We compare our morals against somebody else's instead of the scriptures and we think that we're good people. And what I mean by that is if I'm a good husband, I'm a good father, I take care of my wife, and my kids, and my neighbor does the same exact thing with the exception of maybe he neglects his kids more than he should, I look like a better person than he does. Now, if my neighbor's neighbor neglects his wife and his children, now suddenly my neighbor becomes a good person. And we keep lowering that standard for good by simply performing self-comparisons, which provides the opportunity for a biased and unfair judgments to be rendered. God's standard, however, is a standard by which all of us can be fairly judged. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says that, For there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. It's very simple throughout history every single person has failed to live up to God's standard of perfection with the exception of Jesus Christ himself he lived the life that we failed to live and then he turned around and died the death that we deserve to die and God's only requirement is that we repent of our sin and trust in the work that he did to have right standing with him. And what I find is that people tend to fall under three different categories. Today you're gonna have somebody who wakes up, they don't know if God exists, nor do they care. They're just gonna go on living life the way they want to live it. You have the second person who believes in God, maybe they go to church from time to time, but they still also live life the way they want to live it, and they begin to use the scriptures to justify their lifestyle, their immoral lifestyle by falling on scriptures that God is a loving God, and that all have sin and fall short of the glory of God. They continue to do what they want, when they want, and expect to use God's grace for the big cover-up. Now the third person is the person who will wake up this morning, they understand that they're not perfect, nor will they ever be perfect, but they're still pursuing God's will and obedience for their life. And as they search the scriptures and find out that something that they're doing does not please God, They ask God's help to get that area cleaned up. And then when they fall short, they go to God and say, Father, you said in 1 John 1, 9, if I confess my sin, you're faithful and just not only to forgive me, but to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. That's the person whose heart is bent toward God. Now, out of the three people that I just mentioned, who do you think has captured God's heart? The first, the second, or the third? Obviously, it's the third ask anybody who is a parent who has a kid who obeys and who doesn't and they'll answer the same exact way one person has an agenda of their own the other one is pursuing god's will romans 6 1 2 says what shall we say then shall we continue to sin that grace may abound of course not god's love or grace does not give us a get-out-of-jail-free card, nor is it a license of sin. It provides us the opportunity to be forgiven when we fall short of God's expectations and we're pursuing His will for our lives. But it's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. And what many people fail to realize is that God's love does not protect us from His judgment. Even as a parent, I can raise my children with the uh, understanding that it's wrong to lie, steal, cheat, and murder. But the time will come where they will be responsible for their own conduct. Now if one chooses to rob a bank or murder someone, my love cannot keep them from the justice system. Now my love will never change, but my hands are tied when they break the law. They will be held responsible for their own actions. And God has given us his word, by which he expects each and every one of us to live and to abide by. God is loving, don't get me wrong, but he's also just. And if we decide to live our lives by our own set of rules, even though he loves us, he's bound by his word to also be just. Matthew 7:23 states, And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice, that's the key word right there, practice lawlessness. Jesus gave this warning to those who continually live a life of disobedience to his heavenly father. And I'll close with this in Acts 17, 30, 31. It says, truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man, Jesus Christ, who he has ordained. Now that word repent means to turn away from your way of thinking and your way of doing things and embrace God's way of doing things and that's where people end up missing it. They base their morals and their good standards by judging somebody else's instead of trying to find out what God's will is for their life.